Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Daniel Tolson about social intelligence to win sales now. Daniel Tolson serves as a consultant to more than 4,500 companies and individuals in over 100 countries on six continents, and he lives in both Taiwan and Australia. He is the world's number one business coach specialising in emotional intelligence. He's also happily married and has two children. Daniel, welcome. Well, thanks, Clive. Thank you for having me, and what a lovely introduction. Greatly appreciated. Well, I had to do a lot of research to find that, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) But, Daniel, Business Conversations is about helping people understand that, among other things, business doesn't have to be scary, that ordinary people, you and I, can actually do okay in business, and so can a whole lot of other people. But perhaps more importantly, we want to know that ordinary people have ordinary lives. And I mentioned you are happily married with two children and you live in two different countries with probably vastly different cultures. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I went to a psychic not long ago and (laughs) when he was doing my cards, he said, do you live in two different countries? And I said, I do. And he said, is there two different houses in two different countries? And I said, there is. He said, well, I got good news for you. There's going to be a third country soon and (laughs) it's going to be a place where you least expect it. Clive, I started to travel around the world in 2002. I'd been working in real estate and hit some good goals and I decided that I'd go and travel because I wanted to learn about myself. So I moved to the UK. Once I got to the UK, I just realized the world was such a big place. And when I came home to Australia, I just had a longing to travel. So by the time 2007 came back around, I moved to Dubai In 2008, I'm working there with Emirates Airline and I start co-leading a team of 17,000 people. Meet my wife in 2009 and she's Taiwanese. And eventually we moved to Taiwan and Taiwan, I just felt at home. Uh, One of the things that I love about Taiwan is that I don't speak the language. So it's very loud, but I can't hear a thing. I don't hear the conversations. I don't hear the complaints. I'm just in my own little Zen world. And when I'm here for me, it's very spiritual because my head is quiet. And so when I come back to Australia to perform and work with my customers, I'm very focused. So it does take a little bit of adjustment. I come to Australia and I lose weight. And when I come back to Australia, my wife just feeds me up nonstop and I put on weight. (laughs) So it is two different worlds, two different diets and it's an incredible experience to have the best of both. Oh, absolutely. Sounds absolutely amazing. But you've been busy. You're working with over 4,500 different entities. How did all that come about? Big goals. <laughs> when, you, when you set these goals, we start with a big goal. And one of the things I learned about myself through emotional intelligence is I set standards on myself that are incredibly high. So when I set a goal, I set a big goal and I don't always hit the goal, but I get very close and it's beyond what I could think of. And I remember it was in 2015, I was doing a mastermind 
and I flew over to Hawaii and I met a businessman, lovely guy. And we got talking about emotional intelligence and his wife's father had died in a hit and run accident. And his wife was really struggling and it impacted their business. And they were just normal people, no education, worked hard, did quite well, but their business suffered because she couldn't overcome that emotional block. And I got talking to him and he said, Daniel, I like you, but there's just, I'll never buy your product and service. And I said, hey, that's cool. That's okay. And he said, would you mind having a conversation with my wife? Spoke to her. She reported back to him, made some changes and started to introduce me to some amazing people. And he introduced me to one person in the UK and he said, you've got to meet this guy. He's a rock star. There's 15,000 people in his team. He's like, if I introduce you to him, you're going to become rich. And so he introduced me to this guy. And within six months, I had acquired 500 new clients just through after connection. And that was about halfway into my career. And it just flowed on to multiple referrals and resales. One of our referral partners just put me on stage to train a thousand people here in Taiwan. So the numbers have added up really quickly and the connections and the people that I've met in business have enabled me to work with that amount of people so far. So it's been a true pleasure. Indeed. And uh, presenting to a thousand people in Taiwan and you speak strong. Yeah, I speak Aussie. And again, these amazing people you met, you met along the way. My translator here in Taiwan, he's actually the translator for Jordan Belfort, Robert Kiyosaki, and Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy. So he's the best of the best. So I'm sure he made me sound better than the Aussie that I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's all about uh, content and passion as you deliver it. Absolutely. And, And I think with translation is the audience can sense that passion. And then when it's translated into a language that they can understand, they put it together really quickly in their mind. And it's a great response. And you just got to realize that when you're working on translation is there's a gap of about two to three seconds. So when you tell the joke, you got to wait for the laugh. And it's always testing because you think, did my joke hit the mark or not? And then sometimes you move on and you say something else and there's laughter where there should be no laughter. (laughs) So it's it's a lot to learn. Yes, I can imagine that as you're presenting, you're starting to wonder if you're the kids in the back seat of the car. Are we there yet? You are. And because... One of the things I learned about working with big groups, and I've spoken to groups of 500 and up to 1,000 people, is your sensory acuity has to be really good. And you've got to calibrate on a lot of people in the audience. And I find that if one person gets left behind in a big speech, everybody else starts to get pulled back. So I've got to constantly calibrate on a 1,000 faces, and not all faces show emotion. And so you look at some people and you think, I'm sure they're here, but they're looking at me like they want to kill me. They look like a serial killer. (laughs) So you think, okay, well, I better keep looking around. And then you realize they start to nod and they move along with you. So that's been a test as well. Very good. Now, emotional intelligence is something that hasn't necessarily been talked about for a long time, but over the recent years, I see more and more about it. Can you give us a rundown on what it is so that all of us who aren't exposed to it entirely can catch up. My belief, Clive, it's been around forever, but we just called it street smart. And now people are labelling it as emotional intelligence. And my family, we were pawnbrokers. We were secondhand dealers. 
And one of the things that we had to become very good at was empathy. And there was people coming into our business who were in a very different situation than we were. They were in a very different financial situation. We were the money lenders and they were borrowing our money. And they would spend the money in ways that we would never, ever spend it. But it wasn't for us to judge them. And we had to always have an empathy check in our business. And empathy is a major part of social intelligence and one of the five pillars of emotional intelligence. So if I was to break down emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence is your ability to understand why you think and feel the way that you do. It's also the ability to look at somebody else and understand the way they think and feel the way that they do and to be able to move forward with no conflict. So according to some of the top research coming out of Harvard University, they say that emotional intelligence, and this comes from the work of Daniel Goleman, is that it's 58% of your success in your personal and your professional life. And it all starts with self-awareness. And the Greeks have been talking about this for thousands of years. It's called know thy self. And we know that the people who have a very accurate self-concept, they know their strengths and their weaknesses. They perform better in every industry, in every market. And in Australia at the moment, only about 36% of the adult population can identify the emotion that they're feeling at any given time. They aren't aware of their goals. Only about 3% of the population know what they want. And a lot of people aren't truly aware of their weaknesses. And in our culture, we say, ah, forget about your weakness, just focus on your strength. But I say, that's a lot of crap. Because if I'm driving a beautiful 5 Series BMW with a V6 engine with the latest technology, if I have a flat tire, that car will not perform at its best. And it doesn't matter how positive I am. It doesn't matter how optimistic I am. It doesn't matter how many times I've repented for my sins at church on the weekend. That car won't perform. So I call BS on that, Clive, and I say, you've got to know your strengths and you've got to attend to your weaknesses. And that's know thyself and that's self-awareness. We then cascade down into self-regulation. And self-regulation is the ability to control our thoughts and our feelings. And what we know through you know, hundreds of years of psychology now is that your thoughts influence 95% of your feelings. And in business today, we have to control our thoughts. If we let this sweeping disease of coronavirus occupy our mind we will be out of business in the next 30 days. You know, the mind has a reticular activation system. It finds things that are matched to your most dominant thought. And if all you're thinking about is coronavirus, you're going to see it everywhere and you're going to stop focusing on business. So we have to be able to catch these thoughts. And some of my mentors, they say, we have up to 90,000 thoughts per day. And so just imagine how fast it can run away. So self-regulation is the ability to manage your thoughts and your feelings. The third part of emotional intelligence is motivation. And in my opinion, nobody's lost a job for being too motivated. But everybody puts their hands up and say, look, you know what, I'm struggling with motivation or I got rid of that person because they just weren't motivated. And in Australia, my opinion, Clive, is life is so easy in Australia. Our comfort zone, that middle class is massive. I've got friends in Australia, they've got brand new cars in the garage. They're getting a new house every 10 years. They're getting a new kitchen every three years. And it's very easy to get comfortable in Australia. But all true success is outside of that comfort zone. 
And so we have to constantly move from comfort to discomfort. But we say things are good enough in Australia and we play small. And in my opinion, in the research I've done, about 84% of the population know and feel that they're operating at levels far below their potential. They say, I've got a million dollar business, but secretly they know it could be a two or $3 million business. But they don't always want the responsibility that comes with the extra work that success requires. So they're the first three areas. The second two areas I like to identify as social intelligence, because this is when you're facing your customers. This is when you're standing on stage. This is when you're doing sales presentations. The first part of social intelligence, or the fourth pillar of emotional intelligence, is empathy. And all sales success comes down to your ability to read the emotional makeup of your customer. It's what the customer doesn't say that you've got to pick up on. It's the questions that the customer doesn't answer that you have to probe into more. It's when the customer says, we're doing okay, it's where you have to hear that and say, is okay great or not? Okay is in the comfort zone. And you've got to start to ask questions, but you have to be highly attuned to these words. And what we know is people are 100% emotional. We make decisions, we get logic and information, but all decisions are made in the right side of the brain and it's emotional. So we have to get people emotional. And if you're very skilled, very empathetic, you can read emotion and you can effectively ask those tough questions. But if you can't, then you can't succeed. So that's empathy. And the final fifth pillar of emotional intelligence is what we call social regulation. And this is your ability to communicate your ideas to other people. It's your ability to be persuasive, to be charming, which you need in business. And emotional intelligence is fluid. It doesn't matter where you're starting from now, you can improve your emotional intelligence. It's very different to IQ. Your IQ was set in stone at age 15 and you've got what you've got. But there is no direct connection between your level of IQ and business success. There is no connection. You can have a person with an IQ of 90. We were talking about that village clown offline before. They could be the bluntest tool on the shelf and become a multi-multi-millionaire. But I'll tell you what, they're street smart. And that's what we've called emotional intelligence for years is being street smart. And being street smart, you can learn any skill you need to learn to achieve any goal that you possibly set for yourself. And that's emotional intelligence, Clive. Indeed. And the way you express it, it's very, very simple to follow. One thing I noticed in there is that we've got to hear what isn't said, like you walking down the street in Taiwan. How do we learn to do that? One step is you've got to start with self-awareness. What we find is that people who have a very low level of self-awareness can't effectively read other people. So we always go back to know thyself. And we could start by having a look at assessments like DISC assessments. A DISC assessment will cover four basic areas of your behavioral style. It looks at your dominance, how you approach people and challenges. It looks at how you influence people, how you deal with people and contacts. It looks at how you deal with the steadiness and the pace of the environment. And it also looks at how you deal with policies, procedures, and constraints. And what you have to, first of all, recognize your own style. So what I've learned about myself in DISC is I have a very high D style personality. I'm aggressive. I'm pioneering. I want to win. 
And in my world, I just believe everybody should want to win. I believe everybody should be aggressive. I believe you should take what you want. But then you wake up one day and you realize not everybody's like that. And then what you have to learn is you have to learn what's called behavioral flexibility. And this is the ability to get along with people who are not like you. And in terms of customers, 80% of the world's population are not like you. And if you can't adapt, adjust, and respond to those people, you'll miss out on 80% of the market share. So I always say, learn about your style, appreciate your style, then learn about the styles of other people so you can adapt effectively. And that's a little bit like me being here in Taiwan. I have had to learn enough language to be polite, to get by, to order food, to hop in a taxi. And so that's one part, that's language. But I've also had to learn the culture, the do's and the don'ts. If I understand the do's, I'll get so far, but I've also got to understand the don'ts so I don't get trapped. So there's a level of knowledge and skill. And according to the Carnegie research, we believe that success breaks down to three components, knowledge, skill, and attitude. Knowledge equates to about 7.5% of your success. So you've got to acquire knowledge about people, business situations. You've also got to learn the skills. This is the skill of reading other people effectively. It's behavioral flexibility. But then you also have to develop that attitude. And that's your angle of approach. And you can have all the knowledge and all the skill, but you might have bugger you type attitude and nothing ever works for you. So you've got to be able to work on that attitude and be open to change, to be willing to change, to want to change. And if you can change the attitude, then you can acquire any knowledge or any skill set that you desire. Comes back to the old adage of hiring for attitude, not for skill, doesn't it? Absolutely. Bring the person on with the right attitude and they'll learn to do whatever it is that you want them to do. So is this something that people can learn relatively easily or is it something that you've had to study for 20 years and you're just touching the edge of it? (laughs) (laughs) It's as easy as you want it to be. And that's my opinion. When I went to school, Clive, learning was hard and I had learning disabilities. I found it very hard to learn, but I have big goals and I want to succeed. And I know that I have to become a student for life. So with emotional intelligence, you could improve your emotional intelligence by spending 30 minutes a day on yourself, learning about your likes and your dislikes. You could start by writing your goals. And the most expensive thing about writing your goal is the pen and paper, and that'll cost you about 30 cents. So I believe it's very easy to learn. And you've got to start by just learning one thing about yourself at a time and implementing a new strategy. And you may discover that your personality style is very risk averse. And so what you do, you first of all, understand that. And as you move forward, you say, well, how can I increase this level of risk so I can take more risk? Most people want to double and triple their risk level at a time. But because of homeostasis, if we start to move 10% out of our comfort zone, we begin to self-sabotage immediately. So what I'd do is if you're risk averse, I'd say just increase your level of risk by about 10%. And what will happen is you'll win and you'll succeed by moving out of your comfort zone by 10%. Once you've gone out of your comfort zone by 10%, just add another 10% and just change that emotional temperature. And what happens here is you start to learn to cope with risk at a new level. 
And so I'd just say small steps. In football, they say inch by inch, it's a cinch, but by the yard, it's hard. So start small. I like that. And of course, it's very true because if we do take small steps and we manage to make them winners, it's amazing how quickly those small steps turn into very long distances. They are. There's a law called the law of incremental improvement. You can double your sales. You look around and you know doubling your sales is possible because other people are making two and three and 10 times more than you. But to double it immediately is hard. But if you improve your performance by half of a percent per week and you do that for four weeks of the month, then you'll increase your performance by 2%. If you sustain that for 10 months, you will double your sales results. That's how easy it is. Which is a pretty handy return within a year. It's a big return. It takes the average person about 20 years to double their income. But you can do it inside a year just by incremental improvements. And so you could incrementally get better at prospecting. You could get better at finding the ideal client. You could become incrementally better at making a better first impression. You could make an incremental improvement of asking better questions in the diagnostic stage. You could become a little bit better in presenting the benefits, the results, and the improvements of your product and service. You could just get a little bit better at asking for the order. And you could become a little bit better at asking for referrals. And if you did that, you might triple or quadruple your sales results. I've seen it in a year. So it's possible, but just start small. Exactly. And I hear what you're saying there. And I remember many, many salespeople across many, many teams through the years who would always try for that, I'll double it today, I'll double it tomorrow, going out to double something in a week and being so caught up in that that they missed the opportunity to make that incremental improvement. And so eventually they'd fall in holes and go to sleep, go away, demoralizing to not win, but an incremental improvement in one place, two places, three places, as you say, can suddenly have you multiplying times two, times three, times four. So relatively easy to learn Mm. and implementation is really not hard because you're only doing what you were doing. You're just doing it better. Is that right? That's it. If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get more of what you've always got. And if you have the willingness and desire, and we say that there's four Ds for success. And the first D of success is desire. And you have to have a lot of desire. You have to want these things. You've got to be willing to bleed for it. You don't have to bleed all your blood, but you've got to be willing and ready to do some work. Once you've got desire, and that's the starting point of all change, is then you have to make a decision. And we talk about burning bridges. Don't burn your physical bridges, burn your mental bridges. Don't burn people, burn your limiting beliefs and your doubts about yourself and refuse to go back to that old way of living. But you've got to make the decision. The third D in success is determination. And this is where a lot of people fall short. They start something and they don't finish it. And some of the best research in the best books over the years say that most people give up on their goals before the very first attempt. So imagine if 98% of the population give up before the very first attempt and you only try it twice, you're going to clean up. But you just got to have that desire to go a little bit further. My friend and mentor, Brian Tracy, he said, Daniel, One of the best success strategies is just standing up longer than anybody else. And if you refuse to quit, ultimately, you must succeed. And he said, sometimes this is the only way to win. You just get up, you know, like the old Japanese proverb, fall down eight times, get back up nine times. Eventually, you win. So you've got to have that determination. 
And then the fourth D is discipline. And Les Brown says, if you do what is easy, life will be hard. But if you do what is hard, then life will be easy. So if you just have the discipline to repeat success habits, ultimately you must become a success. And they're the four Ds, desire, decision, determination, and discipline. Those four things will get you anything that you've ever wanted. And indeed, as you were speaking earlier about how you had difficulties in school and you went through your story, we can see each of those Ds in your own story. So you are effectively living proof of what you're talking about. This is where stupidity worked in my favour, that my teachers said I was stupid. They told me I wouldn't be successful. They told me I would never turn into anything. They told me I'd never get through school. And I was just so stupid, I didn't even believe them. (laughs) (laughs) And when I was growing up, it was harder for me than anybody else. It was harder for me to learn how to read. I couldn't write properly. I would run and I'd fall over like Forrest Gump. My knees were out of alignment. My hips weren't aligned. My spine was twisted. My cranium pushed down on the left and right hemisphere of the brain and I couldn't see properly. So I would look at the board. I couldn't see properly. What I wrote in the book didn't even match. When I'd read the book, my left eye would be looking over here. My right eye would be looking over here. But for me, it was totally normal. So I learned that I just had to work two or three times harder than anybody else to get the result. And through stupidity, I didn't listen to other people's doubts. And that's the intelligence of stupidity. I went through school, got chronic fatigue, dropped out by the age of 19. I was making more money than my school teachers. (laughs) So (laughs) who was stupid? (laughs) Now they come to me for advice. And you can achieve any goal that you want. And you just got to do two things. Like I could simplify it down to two things in my life. Determine what you want. First thing, you got to decide what you want. And then secondly, just decide the price that you're willing to pay. I wanted to become Australian champion. I'd had all those physical disabilities. I wanted to become the Australian champion wakeboarder. And I was willing to go through two major knee operations, multiple broken bones just to get that title. So I was willing to hurt myself to achieve success. I was willing to wait 10 years to achieve that. And so you simplify it. What do you want and how bad do you want it? And you're willing to pay the price. And if you get clear on that, anything's possible. Indeed. That really just sums up the whole thing, doesn't it? Uh, what do you want? What are you prepared to pay? Now bring the, the Ds into it. <laughs> yep. Desire, decision, determination. determination. <laughs> yep. And away you go. That's probably a good point for us to start our little wrap-up here, Daniel. The information you've provided has been absolutely excellent and very clear. So let's encourage all those out there listening, get on board, do something about it, because you're a shining example, as you say, difficulties going through school, then spent 10 years damaging your body, and you've still gone out and turned yourself into the number one coach. But Along the way, Daniel, what is the best tip you have received from a business conversation? This is a tough one. There's two things that I want to share. We'll let you do that. Okay, I'll give you two. The first one is contact creates contracts. And what you have to learn to do in business is you have to speak to a lot of people. You've got to constantly get out of your comfort zone and speak to people that you wouldn't normally speak to. And once you've spoken to them, you've got to speak to them again. And keep speaking to these people consistently because you don't know when that they will need your product and service. And I have been in contact with one person recently who will never buy my product and service. 
but introduced me to one person who invested $5,000 in an hour of consultation. And it was all because I just stayed in contact with him. So contact creates contracts. The second thing, and I heard this in 1999 when I started real estate, and my uncle was my boss. And he said, Daniel, in a high-tech world, this is what he was saying in 99. In 1990, he said, in a high-tech world, you have to be high-touch. And this is the root of emotional intelligence. Don't text message me when you can pick up the phone and have a human interaction. Don't ask me to reduce my price via fax or email. Come around and see me and negotiate. Let me see the whites in your eye. And I believe that moving forward in the future, we have to do more business nose-to-nose, belly-to-belly, knee-to-knee. So contact creates contracts. And in a high-tech world, it's got to be high-touch. That's some of the best advice. And it's enabled me to serve people globally with my business. And I will get on a flight to go and meet a contact. So do that. That's the best advice. I like it. I have to say I prefer the (laughs) face-to-face. 100%. As you call it, belly-to-belly. What is the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today, Daniel? The top piece of advice is know thyself. Emotional intelligence, in my opinion, is the most sought-after intelligence on the planet. It is street smart. We've known this for 6,000 years of recorded history. We have been trading and buying and selling for 6,000 years. And people don't care about what your product is. It cares about, they care about what it does for them. And when you meet people face-to-face, when you talk to them about their wants and their needs, about their fears and frustrations, and you can demonstrate the benefits, the results, and the improvements of your product and service and show them what it will do for them, a non-customer, somebody who has never heard of you, can become a customer immediately. So develop that emotional intelligence by first of all understanding what drives you, your strengths, your weaknesses. Play to your strengths and also systematically improve your weaknesses to a point that you become unstoppable. So emotional intelligence, the biggest predictor of success, work on that today. You'll be employable for life. People will like you. They'll refer to you. They'll recommend their friends and family to you, and you'll have unlimited success. Champion. And look, most importantly, before we let you get away, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? I think the best place to start, if you're in business and you want to increase your sales, and maybe you're one of those people who hate to sell, but you love what you do. I've written a really good book recently. It's called Win Sales Now, and it's how to sell using emotional intelligence. So you can go over to my website, Daniel Tolson, D-A-N-I-E-L-T-O-L-S-O-N.com. Go to the website and you can download a free copy of Wind Sales Now. So there you go, Wind Sales Now, danieltolson.com. Get over there and get hold of it because as some of you already know, I keep talking about sales doesn't have to be scary. And if you can get some of Daniel's ideas in there as well, that'll make it even less scary. One of the philosophies that you'll read about in the book, it's called the When Harry Met Sally model of selling. And if you've seen the movie When Harry Met Sally, She's having an orgasm in the restaurant and everybody turns around and says, I want what she's having. And the best sales strategy is if the product or service that you sell, if it's working in your life, if you're getting those results in your life, people are already convinced that it works. 
And all they want to know is, how can I get more of what you've got? What are you smoking? And give it to me. That's how they think. You don't have to be a salesperson. Just make sure it's working in your life. Show people that it's working and they'll line up for it. It's the best strategy in the world and it's worked for 6,000 years. And it should work right now for everybody listening here, danieltolson.com. Go over there and get it. I have an advantage over our listeners. I can see this man. I can see that it's working for him. So get over there and grab it. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on and for making a really simple idea of what some folks think is really difficult, but it's actually very simple. And great to have you on. Let's do this again sometime. We'll make it happen. I'd love you to be a guest on my podcast also. That'd be wonderful. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Clive. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.